All right. Good morning, Reach Church. And of course, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> uh, oh, careful seat. <laughs> um, yeah, if you, if you want to pass around those connection books. Um, I already forgot those. Too busy worshiping. Man, all right. Um, I just want to say on behalf of, of the church, um, as much as I can speak on behalf of God, um, thank you. Thank you to our mothers. Um, as, as I've told you before, I'm, I'm not great at encouragement. So uh, I'll do my best. Um, I, I didn't understand what a mother meant uh, at all until Casey became one. Um, I still don't understand, but I, I have an inkling of an understanding now. Um, and I want to say thank you. Thank you for your ministry to, to thankless children and to thankless husbands. Um, thank you to, uh, for, the, for the days that, that never end, that you never get to stop being a mom, and yet you keep doing it. Um, I want to encourage you to, that, um, that I know there are late nights, and there are, there are days when you cleaned up and picked up, and no one saw the difference from the beginning of the day to the end of the day. Um, but Jesus was there, and Jesus saw. And he alone can, can know what you really go through as a mother. And I want to encourage you that as you experience sorrows, and you experience the responsibility of mothering your kids, and feel with them every choice and every failure and every success that that Christ is there with you and that he enters into our world, into our emotions and, and he's with you and he feels for your children. And I know that many of you have experienced great sorrows relating to, to your children. That you've seen um, things that parents would never want to see. The death of their children, the, the sin of your children. And I thank you for, for your endurance, for your perseverance. And just want to say from the, the bottom of my heart that you are doing the Lord's work, that whatever may seem in vain, the Lord is blessed. So thank you. Thank you for your labor. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your love for Christ and for passing that on to your kids. So pray with me. Father, we thank you for the, the mothers here. We thank you for empowering them and giving them much grace. Father, that mothering can be a very thankless job, but um, it can be one that, that so embodies the, the grace that you give to us and the love that you give and the acceptance that you give. And so, Father, I ask that, um, that mothers of all kinds and, Father, that you would uh, bring comfort and you would bring joy and you would bring encouragement to these women. Father, you are present with them in Christ. And we ask that, that they would remember that each day. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. There's one last, one last plug for, for moms. If you're currently in the throes of motherhood, uh, we do have a young moms group. Meets here, here, right here at the Feral Campus every Wednesday. Um, you can talk to Casey if you're interested in that. Um, that's a great group. Um, probably going to be more encouraging than I'm ever going to be. So go, go, go. I leave you in their hands, um, and you'll be, you'll be in much better hands there. Um, this week, this week uh, is, is our last week in the book of Romans. 
uh, last week in the book of Romans. Uh, I hope, I hope that that's sad for you, as it is for me. Um, Romans is, is an amazing book, and I think it's amazing because of all the books, I think it lays out the gospel most clearly. That is a book about how are sinners saved by God himself, by the work of Jesus. And it, is, it has been a, a surprising reminder of, of the gospel to me. That I, I think I know the gospel, but my heart doesn't truly know it, doesn't truly believe it. And to really see that we are saved by, by grace, by the gift, not by the law, that we are saved by faith, not by works. We are saved not by mustering up power in the flesh, but by the Spirit. <coughs> that that has been a, a reminder of how amazing this gospel really is. That's amazing, the good news. Amazing that Jesus has done this for us, and it is by nothing but what he's done that we are saved. And so... As Paul closes this book on the gospel, on the radical nature of it, he leaves Rome with, with one final encouragement. And he says, essentially, don't, don't listen to anyone who gives you anything but this gospel. That if they don't give you Jesus, don't listen to them. Because you're going you're gonna, to, we're going to leave this book. We're leaving Romans and the gospel is, starting, is going to start to, to fade. We're going to start to forget a lot of the teachings. We're going to start to, to muddy the waters and start to forget that it's, it's not what I do at all. It's 100% the work of God. But we're going to start to feel guilty and we're starting to feel shame as we sin and like we have lost relationship with God. We're going to start feeling that pressure to perform. The pressure to to fix ourselves in our own strength and to pursue God um, kind of for, to, to prove ourselves to be righteous. That feeling is going is to strike us all and, it, and the gospel is going to start to fade in its glory. Now that's why we, we come back and we are reminded of the gospel day, day by day, week by week. But Paul is saying essentially that there are people who are going to teach you False gospels, things that are counter to the gospel, things that are counter to this amazing grace that God has given us. And we cannot listen to it. We cannot listen to it. And so he leaves us with these, these three main points. Basically, run away from anyone who gives you anything contrary to the gospel. To run away from them. And second, we're to protect our hearts from deception. And third, we're supposed to find our great victory in Christ alone. We want to stay under this gospel, which is so amazing. It is not by works. It is not by the law. It is not by flesh. It is by grace and faith and the spirit by Christ alone we are saved. So let's turn to Romans 16. Romans 16, verses 17 through 20. Romans 16, verses 17 through 20. Now, I recognize I'm skipping some passages. Uh, a lot of it is, is pretty heavily historical, so that's okay. Um, I was going too slow in other parts, so. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, uh, <laughs> Romans 17, verses, uh, or Romans 16, verses 17 through 20. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. 
Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. All right. So this is the final appeal that Paul gives to the Church of Rome. And he says, watch out for those who teach anything contrary to this gospel that we have heard in Jesus Christ. Verse 17. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. Now, what are the doctrines in the book of Romans? Now, there's some heavy doctrines. There's a lot of doctrine. Um, but the most fundamental doctrine in this book is that you are saved by Christ. That is not by you, it is by the work of Jesus that you are saved. It is about Jesus. Nothing but Jesus. That it is Jesus' grace that is given to you. It is faith in Jesus that is given to you. It is the spirit of Jesus that is given to you. That that is how you are saved again and again and again. And that because of that, he can say things like, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He can say things like, you cannot be separated from the love of Christ. That your salvation is secure in Christ. That, that we have no more works to be done to attain salvation. Everything is just a reflection of this gospel. And so, if that's the doctrine, then false teaching is anything that gets in the way of that. False teaching and false doctrine is anything that gets in the way of Jesus himself. And Paul's warning against two kinds of, two kinds of false teachers here. They, they, tend to, they tend to create two kinds of problems in the church. What is that? They cause divisions and create obstacles. They cause divisions and create obstacles. The first thing, they, they cause divisions. That we've been talking week after week about that we are the body of Christ. We're united in Jesus. And good, good doctrine, good theology unifies. Because it's all about Jesus. And the more we learn about good doctrine, we learn more about Jesus himself, the person of Jesus, and we're united together in him. So that all of our individual wants, all of these theological disputes, they pass away, and instead we have Jesus himself shared. But bad doctrine and bad teaching, it creates division in this body of Christ. Now what does that look like? There's, there's generally two, two kinds of bad teaching. All right, the first kind of bad teaching is what we'd all kind of recognize as bad teaching. It's kind of pop psychology theology. That, I didn't mean that to rhyme. That was good. Um, <laughs> it's, it's the, it's the self-help. And what is, it, what is it telling you? It's telling you that, that there's nothing wrong with you and that, that Jesus just wants to give you everything that you want and everything that you desire. And that, that everything is yours in Jesus. You just need to go out and get it. 
All right, how does that cause divisions? That turns all of us into gods. That we all get to be the god. And that, that God is ultimately worshiping us and our desires. And he just wants to give us all the candy we can muster. And, and then we all go out into the world and pretend to be gods and pretend that this is our kingdom. And we, we realize that there are other rulers here and there's wars over, over these kingdoms that we have established. All right, that causes divisions. If you haven't found that out, um, you will soon. <laughs> All right, you are not the king of your kingdom. You are not the Lord. We have one Lord, Jesus Christ. And if we are not united in him, then we're all fighting for our own kingdom. Now, we tend to know that when we hear it. We know that as false doctrine. We, we hate those people who preach that way. All right, but there's another way that we can be divisive and divided by false teaching. And that's where uh, it's a little more hidden. Now, there are teachers out there who we would call good Bible teachers. They are good Bible teachers. They teach, they teach the Word. They teach the Bible. They're in the Scriptures, but they don't give you Jesus. They don't give you Jesus. Maybe they give you this kind of vague God out there. Or they give you the laws of this demanding holy God. Or they give you theological abstractions. And what happens? How does that cause divisions? It's you trying to perform and be good enough for this holy God. And what it does is you are competing with everyone else in the church to be good enough. And there's comparison and competition and judgment. And you're tearing each other apart because none of us are really good enough. We're all just pretending. And we condemn anyone who has a, a revealed sin that isn't well hidden. That is bad doctrine. It's not giving us Jesus, the only one who we truly need. Or maybe it's just vague, vague, abstract theology. We've all been there. Have you ever had a fight about theology? All right, if you've been in the church for more than five minutes, you probably have. And that the problem is it's not about Jesus. It's just about these ideas out there, and there's no unity there. The most divisive place that I've ever been, where was it? Seminary. Seminary. Yes. Amen. <laughs> we get to talk about theology and argue about things like, like well, are you justified first and then united to Christ? Or are you united to Christ and then justified? Like those kind of questions. And there's people like leaving the school over stuff like that. All right, just bare theology without Jesus, it's divisive. It's destructive because it's not about the real person. If we're talking about the Bible and not talking about Jesus, we forgot the main character. We forgot the main character. And we've left out the only one who can fulfill the law. And the only one who theology is actually about. And the only one who can give us a relationship with the Holy God. It causes division. It causes destruction. It's bad teaching. It causes division. All right. The second thing that bad, bad, bad teaching does, it creates obstacles. It puts up barriers. It creates obstacles. 
Now, you know good teaching because good teaching just wants to give you Jesus. They'll give, I, take Jesus today, take Jesus tomorrow, take Jesus yesterday, have his grace, have faith, have the spirit. Please. Bad doctrine puts, puts obstacles in, all, in the way of all those things. That before you can have grace, you need to clean yourself up first. And there's a few blacklist sins that you need to get out of your life first. Obstacles to grace. Or there's just obstacles to faith. We talked about those in, in Romans 14. That don't, don't believe Jesus, believe me. Believe in my laws, believe in how I do things. Then you'll be okay. Whereas obstacles to the Spirit. That I have a great plan for your sanctification and you don't know it yet. And I'm going to tell you how to live so that you will become the person you need to be. Bad teaching is, is, is putting up obstacles between people and Jesus. Now what are we supposed to do with, with when we encounter those sorts of things? We avoid, we avoid those kind of teachers. It's plain and simple. Avoid them. And you run from them if you must. We don't let them on our radios. We don't let them on our televisions. We don't let them in our pulpits. If they're not giving you Jesus, they're, they're not giving you the Bible. They're not giving you what you really need. All right. Now, why is this such a big deal? Why is this such a big deal? Because we, we, we hear teaching and we think like, oh, well, like, they didn't talk about Jesus, but like, I can do the rest. Like, oh, it's mostly commandments, but the commandments are there. The commandments are good. They're in the Bible. Or like some pop psychology, like that can be helpful. It does not never hurt anyone. Like I can filter through it. All right, why is this so dangerous? Why is this so dangerous? Because our hearts our hearts are liable to deception. Our hearts are easily deceived and our hearts want to be deceived. All right, look at verse 18. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. All right, these are people who are largely doing a good job. All right, I, I wish someone would say that my obedience is known to all. All right, these are people who are doing well. They know the truth. They're doing good. But Paul is still saying, watch out for these people and run from them. And he's saying, because your hearts will be deceived. Your hearts will be deceived. All right, we're breaking a little bit of rabbit trail here. Okay, what's the heart? What's the heart in the Bible? All right, it's not the, the pumping thing. All right, it's not that. Um, the heart is the center of what you love and what you worship and what you are devoted to. And the heart is crazy. It says the heart is deceitful above all things. And that, that creature is inside of you. That you have a psycho 
like a vain, egotistical, schizophrenic, crazy little entity inside of you controlling you. It's called your heart. And your heart, your heart doesn't want to see its sin. And your heart wants to be comfortable. And your heart wants to get everything that it loves, and so does mine. That my heart is just as wicked as yours, if not more. And what he's saying, what Paul is saying here is that you're liable to have your heart be deceived. And that can happen on, on, on both spectrums. So, on the one hand, you have the, you have the hedonistic preacher, the hedonistic teacher, who just says, okay, just, just go get what you want. And everything that you want, you should have. And the real problem is not with you, it's, it's, with, it's with everything else. It's, it's that you're just not being fulfilled. Now, what's the problem with that? That is smooth talk and flattery. And it's smooth talk because our, our heart loves it. It just massages our heart and tells it, you're so nice heart, you're so beautiful. It's a lie. And what that kind of teaching does, it tells you, you know, your heart is okay. And if your heart just had all the things that it wanted, it would be good. And you would be good. All right, there's also the other side of the teaching. The other side of teaching, which is the, the fire and brimstone. And it likes to throw out the laws and throw out commandments and tell you to try harder and do better. But it never actually hits the heart. It's saying that everything outside of here, maybe your habits are broken, your body is broken. But your heart is sitting content. That the preaching never actually hits the heart and never gets to the real problem. If... if if teaching doesn't hurt your heart, it's not real. That real teaching will challenge the things that we love and challenge the things we're devoted to, challenge the things that we worship. Now, who does that better than anyone? Jesus. Jesus is good at this. <coughs> Jesus is better at this than anyone else. Now, when he encountered people who, who thought they had the law under wraps, he gave them commandments like, do not murder. Do not murder. And everyone's hearts are fine. Everyone's feeling good. And then he has some not so smooth talk and not such flattering words. And he says, you know, anytime you're angry, anytime you're angry, you are murdering the person you're angry at. And when you say those angry thoughts in your head, those are murderous words. And our heart doesn't like to hear that because our heart doesn't want to think it's a murderer. Our heart is vain. Our heart is deceived. It doesn't want to see it. All right, this is the same Jesus who says that do not commit adultery, but any lust, any fantasy, any thought can be adulterous. And suddenly we realize that we're not as good as we thought we were. All right. I don't like talking about the heart. 
And pe preachers, teachers don't like talking about the heart. Because what's the problem? My heart is not any better than yours is. I'm confident that mine is worse than yours. <laughs> All right, so I don't get to be up, stand up here and be the, be the authority. Likewise, I have no power to change your hearts. I have no power to change your hearts. That I can't change mine and my own strength, you can't change yours. And I also, if I talk about the heart, I'm condemning us all. I'm condemning us all. Because you have never done a good work that isn't polluted by your heart. And so I can't tell you, go, go run after your heart. I can't say, go do good works. And that's where people who are talking about the heart have to be of you, Jesus. They have to be about Jesus. Because Jesus is the only one who can actually change our hearts. And he's the only one who can actually be honest about your hearts and give you forgiveness and give you grace and give you a spirit that can change your hearts. Now, why, why, am, I, why am I telling you all this? Um, Go to teachers who will hurt your heart. Who will hurt your heart and show you the idolatry in it. It is there. It is there. All right, but finally, finally. Paul leaves us with, with, with two more verses, and these are, these are the good ones, so be happy. Be happy and rejoice. There's victory in Jesus. Verse 20. The peace of God will crush Satan under your feet, and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. All right, this can be kind of a downer. This is a downer because um, our hearts are deceptive. We want to hear false teaching. But then Paul talks about Jesus. And he says that, you know, you know who is going to do this work? God will soon put Satan himself under your feet to be trampled by you. And that Jesus Christ, when he was on the cross, he was trampling Satan. And he was crushing his head. He was having victory over sinful hearts. And when he rose from the dead, he had that victory. The victory was won over sinful hearts. Victory is won over our sin. Victory is won over our rebellion. And Jesus knows we are sinners. And he says, here, have grace. Have grace. You don't need to pretend anymore that you aren't sick. No, you are sick. We are all sick. I am sick. You are sick. But we have grace. And he's saying, you, you had that law that you couldn't fulfill. Here, I'll give you faith. I'll give you faith. So you can believe that this work that I did was enough for you. And he said, you know that heart that is destroying you and tearing you apart? Here, have the Spirit. Have the Spirit who can change your heart from the inside out and give you the obedience you don't have yourself. Now, I, Peter, cannot give you those things. I cannot give you the Spirit. I cannot give you grace. I cannot give you faith. But I can give you Jesus. The same Jesus that I need every single day 
the same Jesus that, that everyone needs. And so my, my charge to you guys is, is run from teachers who don't give you Jesus. They're not giving you the whole story. They're not giving you what you really need. They're selling you short. And practically, if you hear a whole message and the person never gives you Jesus, then run. If they give you vague scriptures or a God out there, run. And run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this book. We thank you for Romans. We thank you that we can be honest about our hearts and the, the death that is in them. And yet remember that we are saved by your grace as a gift. That we don't have to work for salvation. We can put our faith in you. And that we don't need to muster up our performance, but that you've given us your spirit. Father, I ask that you would uh, protect us from false teaching because, Father, our, our hearts are far too liable. Father, would you, would you work salvation in us through Jesus Christ? Would you keep us from, from shame and from guilt and from, from false permission and and smooth talk and flattery. That we don't need those things because we have a Savior. That we have a King and we have one who gloriously defeated all evil and crushed it under our feet that if we are in him, we can crush him too. Father, I ask that we would truly believe this gospel for what it is. That is not what we have done, but it's what you, you have done. And we thank you that you did it because we could not have done it ourselves. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name.